long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. The next chapter in the Star Wars saga, Revenge of the Jedi. The battle between good and evil rages on. Join the further adventures of Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia, Lando Calrissian, Chewbacca, C-3PO and R2-D2, and Darth Vader. Alien worlds. It's a trap. A rebellion against oppression. An epic of heroes and villains. An adventure as vast as the universe. Revenge of the Jedi. Coming May 25th to a theater in your galaxy. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies, all for you. Bo Shuda, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, broadcasting live right here on channel 1138.com, but also coming to you through the power of iTunes and Google Play, and however you listen to podcasts, We are so delighted and excited that you're back with us tonight because we're going to be talking more Star Wars. Yes, indeed. And maybe something you haven't actually expected because there's been a lot of Star Wars news. We've gotten two new Star Wars trailers consecutively over the last couple weeks, and it's been a lot of fun. We're going to be talking about one of those tonight, plus Return of the Jedi. We're getting down to the nitty-gritty, our major huge year-long countdown to The Rise of Skywalker is coming to an end, actually. We're, we're getting down to the end here, and it's going to be a lot of fun discussing Return of the Jedi, and then we got Force Awakens, and Last Jedi, and then that's it, and then we'll be there. So that just goes to show how quickly it's going to come up, and uh, it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. But before we get into it, of course, introductions are in order if you are new to the show. My name is Ben, and joining me, as he has for many episodes, it is my good friend, Mr. Jake Damon. Jake, what's up with you? Oh man, I'm so happy the week's over, and we get to (laughs) chill and talk about Star Wars uh, Revenge of the Jedi. Oh, wait, what? Yeah. Oh. Oh, they're changing the name on us. Uh, it's uh, Return Return of the Jedi now? Okay, we'll go with that Kind of trip us up. Yeah, um, but... 
I don't know. I've been thinking today so much about how like these next couple of months are just going to be packed with Star Wars, and I'm so excited about that, man. Because I forget where I read this. It's somewhere on Twitter. You, you may have even posted it. I don't even know for sure. But like half of the days in November are going to have a new piece of Star Wars content, whether it's The Mandalorian or a comic book or or what have you like something or the the game the video game uh uh jedi fallen Fallen order Order. yep i'm I'm, can't wait to get that one i'm probably asked for that for christmas uh but either way man these next couple months are packed yeah uh, i believe it was star wars explained that posted this calendar of events Uh, for the, the just the month of november and it's like just tons of stuff. Resistance episodes, episodes of The Mandalorian, and of course Jedi Fallen Order and all the stuff that's coming. It's it's here. It's upon us. And it's only going to ramp up. And you know, speaking of counting down to The Rise of Skywalker, we are now 48 days. Or 47 or 46. By the time you listen to this, it'll probably be even closer. And it's insane how close it's getting and, and we're literally now in the month of november as of today and it's it's next month guys yep. <laughs> it's happening the movie is coming next month it's official and well i i just got to reflect on how I, it almost seems like yesterday that we got the announcement that disney bought lucasfilm and and episode seven was years away and now we're we're already five movies into Five movies and a TV show almost into uh, this new era of Star Wars. So it's it's really a cool time to live and no end in sight, which is great. Yeah, it, I mean, I remember getting, I mean, I remember getting that announcement of 789. Disney bought Lucasfilm, all the stuff back in October of 2012. That was, as of just a few days ago, seven years ago. Yep, yeah. Which is insane. And to top it off, when we got that announcement, I remember thinking, like, it was exciting, and it continued to be exciting, but it was like, oh, God, like, 2015 is, like, so far off. It's, like, so many years away. Like, we have so long to wait. Mm -hmm. And now we're literally weeks away from not Episode 7, Episode 9. Yeah. We've come all the way through, and it's really the closing chapter of, I think, kind of an era of Star Wars that has had its big big ups and some some downs unfortunately mm-hmm. but overall it's been amazing and i'm i'm excited for the future i'm excited for what but i'm also very excited to you know, to have not once but twice on this podcast gone through the films and discussed them at length and it's been a lot of fun doing it this time especially has been a lot of fun you know considering that now we're we're closing out the Skywalker saga and we're going to put a pin in this one and you know maybe in a few years we'll have more Star Wars films to talk about but yep. like i said 48 days away we've got a lot of stuff including the Mandalorian which just got a new trailer earlier this week which was nothing short of amazing I'm assuming you saw it, Jake. What did you think? Oh, I saw it several times, and I thought it was fantastic. This this was my favorite trailer for The Mandalorian so far. Wow, this is only the second one, right? I mean, have there been TV spots yet? I have no idea. I mean, would they even advertise it? Depends <laughs> on, it depends on if you've seen the stuff from Celebration. Which I have, which I have, yeah. Everybody has. Oh, my God. Even if you were in Celebration, you've seen I it. I got into it with somebody on Twitter. They were like, or I, I posted something about the the new trailer. I'm like, this looks fantastic. Everything I've seen from this makes it seem like it's going to be as good as as Empire, you know, quality wise. <laughs> and he replies, 
how could how could you know you've only seen two minutes of footage and i'm like dude i saw the panel i saw all the stuff so where have you been oh my goodness yeah so uh <laughs> but uh, anyway i think we've seen an, enough to know whether it's gonna be you know something we want to watch or not and this definitely seems like it is like the this this trailer this i think it's like the second or third shot it shows that ridge with the i'm not sure what they are they're they're not dewbacks i don't think they're something else but they're riding them uh, across the ridge and just that shot i was like john favreau gets this he understands what the feel is he understands what to include what uh, he's he's making us feel like like this is star wars you know he's not just telling a story he's telling a story in a way that people are gonna recognize and latch on to and and feel like they're at home and um you know not, not to talk down on any of the 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 sequel movies or anything like that or even the standalone movies but this just out of everything that's come out so far feels the most like star wars to me um of everything and and it just really they they nailed it, man, with this, and I, I can't wait to start watching it in, in just a few weeks. But uh, all the all the shots in here, all the new ones that we haven't seen yet, in any previous trailers or footage, just got me all the more excited. Um, and uh, yeah, I what do you think about it? I I really liked it. I really I think it just further represents like the quality that this show mm. is going for. And, I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise considering, like, how many millions per episode they're putting into this. I can't remember the exact right thing, but there's there's been figures thrown around. They're like, holy crap, there's a lot of money in each of these episodes in this entire series. Yeah. And in the wise words of a uh, of an old man, they spared no expense <laughs> with The Mandalorian. And it looks amazing. It looks like a Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. That's what I keep hearing people talk about is the fact that this doesn't look like another TV show. Yeah. And we all know what TV shows look like. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I love the Arrowverse. I've had mixed feelings about it, but it's not a movie. That, that is it's a show. It's not movie quality. You know, none of those shows are. They're great, but they're not movie quality. Yeah. This looks, this is almost indistinguishable from a Star Wars film. Yeah. You could... I think you could show this to anybody that is not up on all the Disney Plus stuff and that you could tell them, hey, here's the new Star Wars trailer for the next Star Wars movie. And they'd be like, okay. Yeah. Like, this looks cool. Oh, yeah. And I think, I think that's what we all wanted. Like, you know, I think back when Underworld, which was the first ever live action series that George Lucas was trying to get off the ground, oh, yeah. he was talking about that and there was all this talk of, he literally decided he couldn't make it because he had too grand of a vision for it. Mm-hmm. And at the time, TV wasn't... There was no such thing as Game of Thrones. So th- there was no benchmark. There was no high watermark in that regard. And so it, it just got shelved and it never happened. And I think he was trying to make feature-quality content on a TV budget and it just wouldn't work. Yeah. Now they're doing it. Now this is... This looks like a movie, and it's and it's great. And I think that's all we can hope for with a live-action Star Wars TV show. We've seen animated stuff. We know they can achieve a lot with animated stuff and do it right, and it makes it feel like Star Wars. This is completely different. You can screw up live-action in a lot of ways, and they're not doing that. They're this just It's just visually stunning. It's crisp. It's got so many different planets, so many different worlds, so much special effects, and you can tell there's a lot of CG in it, but it's very good CG. It's not like 
video game CG that you see a lot in TV shows. Right. It's brilliant, and the action's great. The acting is exceptional. Everything about it, like, and it's just fantastic. And this this particular trailer is like, oh my god, this is actually happening. Mm-hmm. And in a way, it's kind of a shame that George Lucas couldn't be the one to helm this project, especially since it's something that he's been wanting to do for so long. But I think that if anybody was going to do it, John Favreau and everybody else involved, I they're so perfect for this project. And um, it it does seem like George Lucas was on set for for at least a portion of the production of this, so that's that's really cool that he'll have a little bit of influence. Yeah, I'm wondering if though, because like they had the whole thing with Solo, and right. George Lucas was on set of Solo when they were filming the the closet scene, yes, the love scene, and they talked about how that he influenced you know Alden Ehrenreich. He kind of directed Alden Ehrenreich to drop the coat hanger and all that kind of stuff and that was kind of his fingerprints on that movie i wonder if they did something similar here because we know he's been on set and you know we know he has a great relationship with dave filoni and even john favreau mm-hmm, so like mm-hmm. you can imagine he said hey do this and if, if george lucas tells you to do something you're gonna do it yeah <laughs> like, mm-hmm. i don't care how crazy it is you're gonna do it like well um, i remember a story from gareth edwards talked about how he, george lucas came on set and George pointed at a helmet. I said, I like that. And Gareth immediately goes, put that in the movie. Right now, it's going in the movie. And that turned out to be the tank driver helmet, which is a great design. Yeah. It was like the old days. Like in the in the special features for the prequel series, he would have the boards of all the concept art and he would be right. circling stuff. That was kind of like what that was. But And I always forget to mention that Dave Filoni is part of this. And we know what a, you know, how much he loves this material and how much of like a, a protege he is of George Lucas himself. So in a way, it is like... Like he's he's been there all along. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that's the thing with this is that it really is kind of a coming of age thing for Dave Filoni. We you know John Favreau is a huge fan of this. He's been involved with the franchise in the Clone Wars, like so. It's just great to see this happening and see this. And I'm I have my fingers crossed that they're gonna bring George back and maybe he'll direct an episode of this at some point. Yes, I because that they're in the thick of filming for season two right now so well they may surprise us you never know um how cool would that be for him to come back to direct something star wars again yeah i just i don't know how they would do it because i feel like if george is on set you can't like tell him what to do right like you you know it's just like kathleen kennedy take a take a sick day like you know george is back in charge right yeah it'd be a little awkward like hey hey you yeah you who created all of this from your own brain yeah can you uh can you go get me some like concept art from the other room real quick and i can uh i can circle stuff now yeah and bringing this full circle because we're gonna be talking about return of the jedi in just a minute and this is set five years after return of the jedi oh yeah and return of the jedi famously had director troubles with the late great Richard Marquand who was hired to direct this movie but there's a lot of rumors and kind of legends and and stuff that have come after that movie that stated that he didn't get along with the actors okay he he struggled with the movie Mm -hmm. and Richard Marquand has gone on record I think there's a quote from him somewhere that says that basically he had a hard time doing the movie because George Lucas was so involved it was like trying to create like Romeo and Juliet with Shakespeare sitting in the corner. <laughs> like that was his analogy for it. And you can imagine that's 
huge. Wow. That's, you know, having the, the creator there who is not incapable. I know, depending on who you talk to, <laughs> he might, but he's not incapable of doing everything. Mm. He did A New Hope. He did it all. He almost killed himself, but he still did it. Right. Um, he did all the prequels. So he's capable of it. The quality differs here and there, but he, he's still capable. Right. Um, well, one thing we forgot to mention is we get a little bit more George Lucas and Dave Filoni flavor with the, you know, the Clone Wars and the prequels because we get a yes. droid gunship and B2 battle droids. That How cool yeah. is that? They're, they're finally giving something. They're throwing a bone to the prequel mm-hmm. fans, and I love it. And it just makes sense. It makes, makes sense that, you know, Dave Filoni basically became known as a household name now because of the Clone Wars and working with battle droids for so many years. Yes. And naturally the first live action series. And some people are speculating that this could be actually the uh the opening scene of Ooh. it because it we're we're thinking that it's a flashback scene, but I saw some people speculating that maybe it's actually a prologue scene a la Solo and Rogue One. Okay. Where you're kind of introduced to the character and cuz you see the kid and where everyone's thinking, "Okay, maybe he's maybe the kid is a young man now." Mm-hmm before he dons the that mask. that makes a lot of sense i think i mean i i was kind of secretly hoping and assuming that maybe all this stuff all this stuff was just like leftovers from the war and it was and being it used be. but i think flashback would make a lot of sense for sure i my initial thought was that this was being used in the current timeline yeah but the fact that there's droid gunships and there's B2 battle droids in there mm-hmm. makes me think that it's possibly a flashback. We'll see. Right. We, we don't know for sure. We don't know anything. But it's just seeing it in live action. And I know we've seen these stuff in live action, you know, not that long ago. Yes. But it's been a while and it's nice to get those acknowledgments and get, you know, just more stuff. Because it's been no secret that Disney has kind of shied away from those films mm-hmm. and, 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 and tried to seemingly make us forget that they exist and uh it's coming back around and i think we're we're, we're past that they're past the paranoia of uh we can't mention the prequels anything right. no it's it's here and having feloni involved it, it only makes sense and but, you know we see these it, like the battle droids and the and the gunships in the trailer uh which is already a lot but it makes you wonder what else we're gonna see Exactly. And yeah, it's just, who knows? Yeah. And people are already talking about supposedly there is a big quote unquote spoiler mm-hmm. in the first episode. Yes. What that could that be. I'm curious. I don't know, but obviously it's something big. I think we're, we're going to end for some pretty big surprises. Yeah. You know, not, not in addition to, okay, the guy that is actually starring in the show might take his helmet off. Might. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee of even that. So. Well, and I mentioned this to you earlier, but I've, I've seen a couple of places. People are like, okay, I've seen this, uh, you know, this half hour of footage or whatever. And you, you won't believe who Werner Herzog is playing. And I don't know if there's anything oh. to that or what, maybe I just misread something, but I, I could have sworn I saw that a couple times, but, uh, yeah. Now, now Zach isn't here tonight, but his guess is Admiral Wolf Yularen. Yes. From the Clone Wars and also a new hope. Which my my rebuttal and, to that was he's got a different accent. Yeah, the accent doesn't match up. But the, apparently Zach is going to die on this hill, so <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to tell him otherwise. Yeah. But uh, hey, I would love it if Yolarn somehow survived two Death Stars blowing up and, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. But 
And it's interesting because he is one character that we don't know his name. Right. They've revealed all the other character names. Not him. They've even revealed the Ugnot. You know, his name is Kewl. Yes. But we don't know Werner Herzog. Or he, maybe his name is Werner Herzog. <laughs> yeah, because that, that, that does sound like a very Star Wars name. It, it, it really does. <laughs> so we shall see but yeah the, the trailer itself just the visuals and we still don't have a whole lot really the, this trailer was even mostly visuals you had a little bit of dialogue but not much right. and uh so yeah they're really holding back and we're less than two weeks mm-hmm. less than two weeks yep gonna be fantastic all right so i suppose we go ahead and and talk about this movie and i'll throw it to you first jig you know i think sometimes we almost forget about these movies because there's so much new star wars stuff going on that you know i know for one i don't watch the older films nearly as much as i used to but it's it's nice to revisit them Mm -hmm. and i don't i don't really know what my answer to this question is so i'm going to think about it for a second and give it to you okay do you remember the first time you watched Return of the Jedi? Do you have any specific memories related to this movie? I don't remember exactly when I saw it. I do remember that I was probably four or five. I I, I remember sitting in the living room. I, I would say my first memory associated with it would be I was about five years old sitting in the living room with my parents on the on the living room floor in front of the couch and we were just in front of the TV watching Return of the Jedi. And I was so scared of the Emperor's lightning <laughs> at the end. It just, it freaked me out and it stuck with me. And for a couple years after that, I, I couldn't watch that scene because it it was so scary but um yeah i i i believe the first movie i ever saw like in its entirety um was before that i i saw a new hope and and empire strikes back obviously and then this i think i saw him in order um but yeah, I, I was very young and uh, very impressionable, and a lot of of especially Return of the Jedi sticks in my head, and it are are some of my very first memories. So yeah, 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 I totally get that. For me, I think I don't remember my first time actually watching the film. I don't remember my thoughts on it. I just remember growing up. It was my favorite Star Wars film. Oh, okay, yep. It really made an impression on me somehow. And it was just the, you know, everything about it. it compared to the other two films, and I've always been this way, and I guess I'll always be. I'm about the big, the loud, the action scenes, and all this kind of stuff. And Return of the Jedi, when it comes to action, has the other two films beat by a long mile. Yeah. Like, there's so much great action from the Sarlacc Pit to the Battle of Endor, both on the ground and space. It's just unparalleled. They really, you know, you can say what you want to about this movie in regards to kind of repeating some things. And this is before we all flipped our lid over Force Awakens, quote-unquote, remaking Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, Return of the Jedi really kind of was the OG Star Wars remake in regards to here's another Death Star, here's a big space battle. It wasn't necessarily about doing a whole lot of new things. It was about kind of wrapping up the saga and just doing it bigger and better. And I've even heard certain quotes from certain people in regards to actually work on this film that basically they saw Return of the Jedi as an opportunity to do some of the things they did in A New Hope, 
better this time. So yeah. instead of you know they were very limited, they were re- pretty much creating all those uh, special effects on the spot for A New Hope, and now you know with with this one in 1980 um, was was gone 1983 i should say i have it in the notes 1983 for some reason it, it's in my head is 82 but i guess it is 83 that's empire why did i do yeah that? that's dumb that's it. <laughs> but 1983 is you know it, they had come such a long way just in those three films so yeah it really just the action I could watch it all day. Yeah, it's it's got its issues. It's got some things in there that objectively you look back on and go, yeah, this is probably the one of the weaker Star Wars films, mm-hmm. but it's still so strong. Right. And I'm someone who can always find <laughs> the bright spot in any of these movies because I love them. Yeah. But Jedi is just so great, not just from a nostalgic perspective, but you know, it really broke new ground in Star Wars. Yeah, for sure. And I I think it's it's probably the the weakest of the original 3 for sure, but I don't think it's anywhere near a bad movie. No, there I would argue that none of them are bad movies. Yeah, no. But for sure. I'm crazy. I'm crazy, <laughs> all right? So just ignore me because there objectively yeah, there are a few Star Wars films that are are objectively bad but you know i still love them for what they are um jedi has issues it has some things like i said it does retread some things it does not treat certain characters the way they should be i think Mm -hmm. a criticism that i didn't really realize until years later was you know the fact that leia's not leia and han are both kind of static characters in this movie they don't do a whole lot you have the first part of the movie is really great for everyone. Like everyone gets their part in the opening act to rescue Han. And even Han, you know, is kind of out of his depth and dealing with all this. And then you get to the second and third act and it's just like Leia does kind of nothing. And Han is kind of just samey. He doesn't feel like he's kind of earned it or, you know, is developed that much. And whereas Luke, I think in this movie, the focus is on Luke Mm -hmm. and Luke is obviously the central point. And you're in certain cases wanting to get back to that throne room to see what's going on, because that's, you know, that's where the money is. Right. But not to say that it's not entertaining, not to say that there isn't great moments for all the characters, but there was some things. And, and, And let's face it, like you have the whole thing with Luke and Leia being brothers and sisters. Mm hmm was just George Lucas Bank basically saying, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. Just, you know, let's just retcon this as that because originally it wasn't supposed to be that way, but he did it that way just so he could finish the saga, get it over with, and move on to something else, yeah. which you can't really blame him. And I think in retrospect it works just fine, but uh, still it is something that's weird, especially with Empire and that kiss and all that kind of oh stuff. Oh, boy. Incest. It's just, it's just <laughs> a part of Star Wars. It always has been. It should be a part of every family film. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Just kidding. Oh my gosh! But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't have any specific memories other than like I remember loving this film to death, and the opening scene. I think the one of the best Star Wars moments. I think one thing that that sets this film apart, especially from the rest of the original trilogy, is that it's a slow burn. Yeah, especially in the beginning, like. The uh, Empire and and the New Hope they open with a bang like they're they're pretty quick to jump to the action whereas 
Jedi is, you know, adding all this intrigue. You know, Luke's coming, but you don't see him, and then he shows up. And you're like, what's the deal? He doesn't have a lightsaber. He's all dressed in black, and he turned to the dark side. All the stuff, and leading up to the Starlight Pit battle is just amazing. It's also creepy because the whole set design and the creatures and all this kind of stuff in Jabba's palace, it's just all over the place. Um, yeah. You said you you were freaked out by the Emperor. How did you react to like all the stuff in Jabba's palace? I, I think I just thought it was like weird and cool and like Slave Leia was certainly my first, like so many people, my <laughs> first like that was an eye opener. Awakening as a male. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, take that for what you will. Um, you, we all know what you're talking about. You don't have to go into detail. Yeah, but uh, I, I think I just thought it was really cool. And it, it always intrigued me when um, Leia came in as Bausch and uh, yeah. unfroze Han. And that transition where it kind of goes red, like red hot. And uh, you see the outline of Han, and and then he just falls out. I always that was always really striking to me that visual. Yeah, it, it really is, and it's and it's funny how Empire ends on such a a big thing with Han is frozen in carbonite. You don't know what's going to happen to him, and then basically just you know opens this movie and he's pulled out. Yeah, <laughs> without without much issue. Which is... um, not to say that he escapes, but he still. It's not as dramatic when he comes back out. Yeah, and I I really like that whole arc, like how it, it transitions from the end of Empire to the beginning of this, and it gives you kind of like a, uh, it leaves you with a question, like what happened to Han, and and it's like one of the the many things that made you want to tune in for this next, you know, last chapter of this trilogy. Right, and it's also, I mean, the, the relationship between Empire and Jedi really is kind of a, a major throwback to the serials and everything that kind of inspired George Lucas in the beginning because, yeah. you know, having this huge cliffhanger, and now we're spoiled. Yeah. Now, you know, we get a Star Wars movie just about every year, yeah. except for next year and the year after next, but that's a whole other story. Um, But this, they had to wait three years for that, and that had to be huge. Yes. And even so, it's still a huge thing. And, and having basically the the first part of this movie doesn't work without Empire. Like you have to, you know, have at least have a, a an understanding of, okay, this is a continuation of that. This is just a time jump. And then we're moving forward with this. And we're, we're, we've got to finish Empire before we can get to Return of the Jedi, which is maybe not the best thing for this movie. Mm-hmm. If you think about it objectively, I think being that Jedi is already off the bat has to clean up the mess that Empire started, yeah, and then tell its own story. Mm-hmm. I think maybe handicaps this movie just a bit, especially in regards to it's supposed to be the the ultimate ending, or at least it was <laughs> to the saga. Right, and as we know, that's not the case anymore. But in 1983, this was it. Yeah. And you can imagine, and this movie isn't any much longer than the other ones, so it's kind of you know it's 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 weird. L- little did they know that it was the first of three endings to three different <laughs> And now they're still they're still saying, "Oh, it's the end, it's the yeah. end," and everyone's like, "Yeah, sure, whatever, Lucas." Twenty years, twenty years from now, episode ten. 
I don't even think it'll be 20 years. I think it's going to be closer to 10. Yeah, you're probably right, man. It's just, I mean, we just got their quote-unquote complete saga Blu-ray set. <laughs> exactly. It's got six films. It's no longer complete anymore. No. That set is not <laughs> canon. It's missing five films. <laughs> wow. Yeah. We've come a long way. Yep. But, you know, and it's, you know, it's fine because Rise of Skywalker, I think, it's going to be interesting to see how they wrap it up. Yeah. Because I think each film, because you can take all of these films, Revenge of the Sith, Return of the Jedi, and The Rise of Skywalker, all of them serving the same purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, Revenge of the Sith, not so much, but still, you can tell that ending sequence when they go through the whole thing, and they're telling where Luke and Leia go, and all this kind of stuff. It feels like it, a definitive ending. And I always thought, like, that was a really poignant end to the entire saga. Right. Until 2015. Right, right. But I, I like that as an ending, and it worked. And I think... Now that they're really trying to sell us on, this is the end of the, the Skywalker saga as a whole. You know, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And what is this movie going to do? Because Return of the Jedi wraps it up pretty well. Yes. There's not a lot of loose threads here. You know, it's it's pretty definitive as the end. They sing Yub Nub or Victory Celebration, depending on the version that you watched. And the Ewoks beat some drums and Glando claps and it's, that's, it's over. Right. And so I'm curious what this film, and obviously Rise of Skywalker already has some similarities to Return of the Jedi, but how how can it top this? Because this is, admittedly, even though I love the new films, it's a perfect ending. Yeah. Yep, for sure. So, you know, but getting back to the start of this movie. Yes. And as I said, Sarlacc Pit battle is great. Just the tension, and when Luke does a triple backflip or whatever and lands and holds up his hand and grabs the lightsaber like that is I describe like Star Wars magic like magic moments yes. Star Wars that stuff that gives you goosebumps that is one of those moments yeah. and that's another yeah are are you specifically talking about uh when he's on the on the skiff and and R2 shoots it up Right. Yep. When okay. He catches the lightsaber. Yes. Okay. That was another moment, and that stuck with me as a kid is is that R two D two was storing Luke's lightsaber in his head basically, and shoots <laughs> up into the air, and Luke catches it like a badass, and that may be my f favorite Luke Skywalker moment. I'm not sure, but it's certainly in the top three. It's yeah. It probably was. At one point, my favorite all-time Star Wars moment. It's been beat out for yeah. by a few new scenes, but it's still got to be in, at least in my top ten. Mm -hmm. Like it's just so great. And I, you know, going back to like R two, like it is. You, we forget like how crazy that is. Like because you're you're watching the movie, going like, where's this lightsaber? Like why doesn't he have one? And then you can imagine people watching it for the first time. It's like. Well, he lost it on Cloud City. How does he get a new one? Yeah. Like, you know, how does this all work? And then you get to that point where he gets it and then ignites it, and then it's green. And this is the first time anybody had ever seen a green lightsaber ever. Right. So it's just great. And I love the whole backstory that, you know, in the trailers, it was actually blue. Right. And it was this whole thing where I think it just wouldn't show up against the blue sky, so they changed it. So... Thank the blue sky in, in Arizona for green lightsabers because they wouldn't exist because he was originally going to have a blue lightsaber. Yeah, which I am 
I think it's really cool that it's green because they like as as iconic as the blue lightsaber is, the green one is I I think just as iconic. Like it, it kind of represents a new chapter in Luke Skywalker's life, and just kind of marks that like this is a new Luke we're talking about. And I don't know. I I've always loved that that look of like Luke in the black with the green lightsaber. And it also the green helps differentiate it from the one in Empire. I think people would have been confused. Yeah. If he showed up with a blue lightsaber, they'd be like, okay, where did this come from? Like, how did he get the lightsaber back? But it's clearly a different lightsaber when it's a different color. And so, you know, I think that works much better. It's just, it just looks cool. It's just look, it's freaking cool that Luke has a green lightsaber. Yeah. Well, Um, we're, we're, and then he continues to have it. Yeah. Where do you stand opinion wise? Um, as far as like, that scene where it shows him constructing the lightsaber in the cave, do you think they should have kept that in or do you think it wasn't needed? Because I, I always thought it would be cool if they left that in. But Yeah, that's a that's a good question because it's funny how going back to A New Hope, I like the deleted scenes in that movie. Mm-hmm. Like there's the great uh, Tashi Station scenes. I'm not saying they're great. I'm not saying that they're well acted or anything like that, but I like the content of yeah. them. I like that how they are... You know, Biggs yeah, and him and Biggs. having conversations and talking about stuff. Like it's it's really it's good like stuff and it's a time capsule for like what the writers and, and George Lucas were, were thinking at the time in regards to the universe and establishing some things that weren't even touched on in a new hope. Right. I like those. They don't actually work in the movie because all that stuff happened like before the opening crawl right. or while stuff was happening and, and Luke's introduction to come to much later. Same thing with the Return of the Jedi in regards to I think it works much better when Luke shows up in Jabba's palace. Mm-hmm. I really, really, really like the scene in the cave. Yes. It's amazing. And it was also crazy to go so many years about hearing about it. And then all of a sudden at celebration, they were like, oh, hey, here's that scene that you've been hearing about all your life. And they finally showed it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a great scene. I think the movie works better without it. I think it works better, but I I would love to see a version of the film where that's edited in because there's other stuff too. There's there's Vader stuff. No, actually, I'm misremembering this because I remember the way it goes is the op- movie opens with Vader arriving on the Death Star. He goes to Jirajirad, threatens him, says whatever. Then you follow Vader to his chamber or whatever. Right. And he starts talking to Luke mm-hmm. and then it transitions to Luke in the cave and then transitions from that to um thing. It's it's actually really well edited and really well done, yeah. but I think cutting straight to the droids adds a little more intrigue. It adds a little more, you know, what's going on here, all this kind of stuff in, in classic Star Wars fashion, kind of dropping you into the action when you don't know what's going on, which I think works better. Right. And you know, we know Ray is gonna repair the lightsaber. Um, in in episode nine, at least we think so, uh, judging by the looks. But I wonder if JJ is going to put it in there as kind of like an homage to that deleted scene showing her repairing the lightsaber. That would be – see, I'm hoping for that. Yeah, I'm hoping I'd... for that because I feel like I was kind of honestly disappointed when I saw that Ray had the same lightsaber yeah, me too. in the trailer. Me too. And it was just like had this band on mm-hmm. it. And I'm like, okay, it's – cool it's a cool design it's kind of a 
visually it looks similar to Vader's lightsaber right. and Anakin's lightsaber. So it, it looks cool, but at the same time, I liked the idea of going into uh, going into this movie and Rey's still without the lightsaber, or she has to fix it. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that now we'll get we'll get something like that. Maybe at the start of the movie we'll get a thing. Or I like the idea of maybe they're tra- having to track down lightsaber crystals and all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I like that idea too. I think I was even more disappointed that they didn't show her taking the lightsaber and making it making her staff into a lightsaber using the crystal but yeah see okay the only thing that i will say about that is that i think she was born or that character was created to wield a double-bladed lightsaber yeah and at least we are getting that with the dark ray scene right okay okay if not in a vision Even if it's in a vision, at least we got Daisy Ridley holding a double-bladed lightsaber. I can die happy (laughs) (laughs) because we got Mm -hmm. that. Um, But, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I like that idea a lot that you could see kind of an homage to this. Maybe she's in a cave or just tinkering around. Because we've never seen a lightsaber being built on screen. Right. Because the Clone Wars established that, like, it's not like you physically build it. It's use the Force to build it. Right. Yep. And it kind of comes together, and that's the way, only way you can actually like build a lightsaber. So That's cool. If we get that at the beginning of Rise of Skywalker, I can also die happy. Right. Me too. That would be amazing. But, you know, in retrospect, I think Jedi works really well. You know, I would love to see that scene inserted there somewhere. But still, you know, the surprise of, holy crap, it's a green lightsaber <laughs> when he's on the star, like, is, is pretty good. Oh, yeah. But, um, but moving ahead a little bit, we get the first appearance of the Emperor. Yes who let's keep up the Rise of Skywalker discussion here because we have in this movie the introduction of the Emperor, the first time we've ever seen him before. And he's a really old guy. He looks like he's on his deathbed <laughs> when he walks in, and yet 30 years later we find out he's still alive, even after being thrown down a shaft. What the hell? Yeah, he, he's a really old guy in this, played by a young guy, and then in the prequels he's a young guy played by an old guy. <laughs> it's... It's amazing how it worked out. Yeah. How he was like 30-something when he played Palpatine in this. Yeah. Which is astounding. He pulls it off. Like, how well he did it. How well he did playing a really just like a super old man. And I remember thinking as a kid, like, oh, God, this guy's got to be like 300 years old. Like, he has to be like as old as Yoda. Yeah. Like, to look the way he does. And I don't know. who know. At the time of Rise of Skywalker, he has to be. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> exactly but it's uh it, it is interesting that he's here and then i think he's a really great bad guy it totally changes the dynamic because now when he comes on the, the scene it's less about vader being you know in a new hope it was tarkin was the main bad guy and vader was kind of off in the shadows whereas you really begin to understand what's going on here if you haven't seen the prequels first right. that you know, Emperor is the top dog here. He's the one in charge, and Vader is just the lap dog. Right. And 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 maybe it could have been written better in regards to you know their relationship. But you you definitely get the idea that throughout this movie is peppered in that Vader's you know he's not too happy. You know he he's looking for a way out, and he does get that chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just seeing. The Emperor and just his persona and, and how he carries himself, how he talks, all that stuff. He really 
it just reminded me of how iconic of a villain he really is. Like we always think of like the bad guy of Star Wars being Darth Vader, at least I do, but the emperor man, he is he I think he could go neck neck for neck with or toe to toe or whatever the phrase is with with Vader for like most iconic villain, I think. He I mean, it's not just and that's the thing with like Star Wars characters in general. So many of yeah. them are you know, you have characters that have a certain look or 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 whatever and they're like I love the idea that like just a silhouette Vader's silhouette is so iconic yes you just look at that and you can you instantly know that character just by seeing a black image of a silhouette same thing with the Emperor but also like Vader it's not just that it's the presence it's the walk it's the voice Mm -hmm. everything it's this package deal of this incredible character that Ian McDermott I mean I don't know like I don't know what was the process in coming to the conclusion on like what that character was going to be, but like whoever did, whether it was Lucas or Mark Wand or, or McDermott, like they nailed it. Right. You know, he's just such an, an presence and such a character that it, he's terrifying. Yeah. He literally, he's terrifying. Like you know, I'm now excited to see like how he's done in Rise of Skywalker because. That character can really, you know, put it on, and yeah. you know, you never know what he's up to, and, and and that's the thing. He is this master manipulator that, you know, unbeknownst to us at this movie, but you know, manipulated everything to this moment, and is continuing to manipulate things, and you know, who knows what's next? And now, apparently, he's still manipulating, mm-hmm. and as far as we know, he's the one that manipulated the entire sequel trilogy. So, like, where does this guy, like, does this guy ever lose? Does he ever, like, you know, does he ever go wrong? Yeah. So, I've also been thinking about this a little bit. Do you think he is the most powerful Sith to have ever lived? Maybe not. I don't know. But he seems to make have made the biggest dent. I think he is at least the smartest yeah. I think he's the smartest person. I think he's the most powerful person in the galaxy at any given point. Sure. And I think he's definitely the smartest. I think he just he knows what to do and he's all about that. And it's uh it's going to be interesting to see how he goes going forward. I keep talking about Rise of Skywalker, but you can't not talk about it without this, but like, you know, what is his power level? I feel like he I feel like Return of the Jedi is a breaking point for the character because he is at a point, and it's and it's a breaking point for Vader because no one else could stop him. Mm-hmm. You know, the Jedi, they were all duped. They couldn't stand up to him. Mace Windu, this powerful Jedi, couldn't stand up to him. Yoda couldn't do it. Um, but his ultimate defeat, or at least his initial defeat, is Vader, who was not as powerful as him, but was him surprising Palpatine, ultimately, and, and catching him off guard. Otherwise... This guy seems unbeatable. Yeah. Like he really does. Yeah. I wouldn't want to go against him. No. No. And and just I like the idea of like not just introducing someone. I know he has a lightsaber in the prequels and he's badass with it, but at the same time having this character that doesn't need a lightsaber. They just when you can shoot lightning from your fingertips, why do you need a lightsaber? Well, it sure looks cool, man. It really does. Are you threatening me, Master Jedi? There you go. I mean, almost every line he says in this movie is iconic. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, it, it Palpatine is so great, and this movie defines him. And, and he's had a lot of defining moments over the years, but Return of the Jedi just makes such a huge impression. So yeah. going over, so after this we get to Dagobah. Yes, yes we do. And we go back to Yoda, who is dying. The only Jedi I think in the galaxy that died of old age. Yeah, and old he was. Like 900 years old to be exact. I think at least that's what he says. Yep. And yeah, it's sad. It really is. But I, I like the idea that he he literally outlived everyone. You know, yeah. he, he didn't get killed off or anything. I feel like if Return of the Jedi had been made again yeah. or had been made later, we would have seen CG Yoda showing up, you know, and maybe yeah. fighting the Emperor again. But I'm glad that didn't happen, you know, because yeah. that would have been a distraction from Luke, but whatever. I mean, he was hobbling around with a cane in the prequels, so I don't know. It felt like his time was coming. Yeah. I mean, I, we knew he was in retirement age, but didn't know he's that <laughs> bad off. Yeah, enjoying his retirement package on, on Dagobah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, we get the big reveal about, you know, Obi-Wan shows up, Force Ghost. Luke's uh, sister, mm-hmm. which, as I said, it was kind of a last-minute retcon. I think when you watch the films now, I think when you especially watch Last Jedi, I think it works really, really well. Yes. But I think in the context of the original trilogy, it's kind of weird. It is kind of weird. Yeah. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fuss about it because it's. The amount of jokes that is, is spawned and all the the incest <laughs> stuff <laughs> can't take that away from it. I, it. It's it's too much a part of Star Wars now. You can't take it away. You know, like love it or hate it, it is. It's part of the Star Wars DNA. It, exactly. It's like the holiday special. Yeah. Like you you can't get rid of it. Like it's it's part of the deal. You you know you just learn to live with it. And you know there's so many memes and so much like goodwill around it even if it's bad it's still enjoyable so whatever you know we move on through this movie and the rebels have regrouped they're getting together they're gonna attack the second death star as we've seen bigger and better than before apparently so because and i get that people have an issue with this because (laughs) it's another death star and at the same time it actually makes sense. Like, they wanted this. The Empire believes that the, if they make a Death Star and they, and they make it right and they blow up a few planets, that everyone will fall in line. And, right. and this will be it. And if they really believe that, and if they're that overconfident, which we, we know is not the case, but that's the Empire for you, of course they're going to build another one. Like, yeah. of course they're going to do that. And I I've always been... Uh, partial to the theory that they kind of had one in production off to the side already and that it really you know like it's unfinished in this movie i know but it's like operational at least but i i really think that they had this thing kind of built off in some dark corner of the galaxy just waiting to come out just in case the first one didn't work out that see that's my theory that's that's the thing that's how i've reconciled it yeah, and I'm not so sure that Canon agrees with that. But I don't care, um, <laughs> but I think that's the perfect opportunity. It's like, uh, of course, like they would have 
more than one because what's better than one Death Star? Two Death Stars. Like, <laughs> you know, of course you're going to have multiples of these things around and it just it just makes sense. Like, so I, I love, I like, I've loved, always loved that idea that, you know, there was, the second Death Star was already in production. The, the first one took 20 years to build. <laughs> like, come on. And, and we're, we're supposed to believe that in three years or less, they built a second one? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Nope. But. But here we are. The Emperor is always prepared, and he always has a plan B, it seems like. And a plan C. <laughs> uh. I mean, it would be like Palpatine to have a backup Death Star. Yeah. It totally would. Yep. And maybe that's what we're going to find out in, in, in Rise of Skywalker, that there's like five more Death Stars. Yeah, I mean, I, I know a lot of people that would not be happy with that. Maybe me and uh, Me too. <laughs> it just, it, it seems like, you know, you, you've seen one, you've seen them all. I can even, I can even suffer through two of them. But boy, it was Starkiller base, the, the last straw for me. I was like, not another one. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I'm fine now. I think I've gotten over it. Yeah, well, that that's the thing. Eventually, we will get used to it. We will get over it. No matter how stupid or dumb or bad it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, heck, you know, I am i don't want to complain because yeah. this sets up one of the best and biggest battles of all of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And the the way they do this in regards to it, it's not just a trench anymore. It's, they have to literally fly into the superstructure and blow this thing up from the inside it's brilliant, and it, it creates so much tension because you're like, they're flying the freaking Millennium Falcon in there. How tiny is this? Yeah. And they and they lose the dish, and you're like, this is really tiny. Like, why are you doing this? And, but, uh, you know, out, out of the two uh, Death Star explosion missions that, that we go on, I, I really think I'm partial to this one over the trench run. Um, I am too. Yeah, it's just, it's it's a lot cooler to see like what's inside the death star and the inner workings and who knows why they made a passageway big enough for a, you know, a squadron of ships to fly all the way through, but they did. And it was visually interesting. And actually one of my favorite flying missions in the uh, star Wars Lego, the complete saga. (laughs) Yes, I just recently bought that game. Oh, it's so much fun on a different system. And it's so great. And that, that level is phenomenal i love it yeah but um it's so great yeah but yeah re- watching this was like like it just brought back that whole that whole game to me i was just like i need to go through that again yeah I, i'm working my way back through it too and it's 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 so great so good and it does it's just a great a great way to revisit the films yeah you know it's so great but as you said they don't know how to put like doors mm-hmm. or a locking door in these holes to cover mm-hmm. cover the holes of the Death Star or you know cover giant gaping holes in <laughs> reactor shafts. Otherwise, Palpatine would have actually survived. You know, it was right. all his fault to begin with. But it it it's it's still funny. It makes for such a great scene. And I mean, that's that's the thing with this movie is that it it's has so much going on in that third act. You know, you. Mm-hmm. You get to a certain point, and this movie does move pretty slow. You know, the, the the second act is a lot of exposition, a lot of meeting the Ewoks, almost getting eaten by Ewoks. Yeah, 
<laughs> and all this stuff, and it's fun. But once you, once the Sith start hitting the fan, with <laughs> it's uh, you see what I did there. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, once you see the Ewoks, you know they jump out of hyperspace, and the Ewoks come to life, and they start destroying the Empire because that happens. And uh, see, everyone makes jokes about oh the empire was defeated by ewoks no they no they weren't no they weren't the ewoks were just a distraction they were just a distraction they were nothing more than that and because if it had been up to the ewoks they wouldn't know what to do they didn't know what to to to, to blow up the thing they would have just kept on fighting (laughs) like it was han solo who blew up the, the the bunker Exactly. It was it was the help of a lot of people, you know, and you can't tell me that with a group as big as the Empire at the strongest. Well, not quite the strongest they've ever been, but the they reach far and wide across the galaxy. You think just a little squabble on the forest moon of Endor means the entire uh, Empire has been defeated by Ewoks? I don't think so. It's just they, they, they really helped out, though. Yeah, I mean, as we learned in canon, like this wasn't even the last battle, but right. you know, it was it was is more about destroying the Death Star and destroying the Emperor, or so we thought. I keep saying that, um, yeah. but it's true because you know this wasn't the end of that. But still, it's it's satisfying, and it's a big deal. And no, the Ewoks did not toss the Emperor down a shaft. Yeah. You know, maybe that's maybe that's what Rise of Skywalker will be. You know, it'll, it'll be wicked coming out of the way. Like, I'm going to kill you, finally. <laughs> he's going to spear him to death. Yeah. Or he's he, going to get, like, a, an arrow to the to the face, and that'll be the final nail in Palpatine's yeah. coffin. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Maybe. Maybe. But this whole, you know, going back and forth between the space battle, the lightsaber duel, and the ground battle is pure Star Wars perfection. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just this whole thing, you know, going over and over again. Um, out of the three, Jake, mm. what is your kind of, like, wh- if you're watching that scene, what is the one thing you're most paying attention to that you're, you know, <sighs> you're most invested in? I think I have to go with Luke and and Vader and the Emperor. Because... Out of the three, that's the the quietest and the the uh, most focused, mm-hmm. I think. Because the other two, you know, everything got lots of explosions going on, uh, fighting here and there, loud, lots of lo- loud noises and all that. And then in in this, it's just like you kind of hear that kind of faintly off in the in the background. You hear fighter ships shooting and stuff, but it's it's a very quiet setting and it's just talking and and eventually you do get the lightsaber battle but uh, you know and epic music and all that but that i think is the heart of this movie is that that end battle and it's so much more than just a lightsaber fight you know it's the it's the character dynamics and the the uh struggle within and uh there's just so much going on there without it having to be an uh, an all-out squabble and battle right and i mean ultimately that is the real battle you know because if palpatine isn't destroyed and if vader isn't redeemed like all this is for nothing 
Like, they can build another Death Star. They can't get back the Emperor. Or can they? Who knows? Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's the thing it, with this thing. And, and it all comes down to that one battle. And it's great. It's wonderful. I think it's, it's really one of the strongest lightsaber duels because it's not about the lightsaber choreography. Mm-hmm. I'm not throwing shade at the prequels. I truly am not. I love the prequels. I love a lot of the battles. I, I love some of the newer battles. Yeah. But I think a lot of it has to do with like, oh, look, it's cool and awesome and action-packed, and it's not what it's about. Right. It's about you know these characters interacting, and, and essentially in, in a lot of these scenes are about you know these characters hashing something out, having a conversation, and that's exactly what it is. It's you know Vader and Luke having a heart-to-heart conversation, and and Luke whittling away at Vader's you know wall of of, of darkness mm-hmm. and Luke kind of come being coming undone you know, towards yeah. the end. Well, um, so. The, this is my top lightsaber battle uh, with uh, the Bespin battle second and then third being Obi-Wan and Anakin. Yeah, I totally see that. Totally. Um, but I love the space battle, I think, the most. Yeah, yeah. It's just so good. One of the one of the best in Star Wars. We talked about going into the Death Star, but like just the outside, you know, it's a trap and all mm-hmm. this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's brilliant and going around and because we'd never seen anything like that before. Like still having a battle like that. I mean, the only bigger battle that I can think of is like the Battle of Coruscant mm-hmm. in Revenge of the Sith. But we kind of fly through that. You don't really get like a sense of what it is and like yeah. what's going on. Whereas this one, you're really in the thick of it and it really feels like you see the pilots dying. You see all this. Right. Um, and more recently, I think it maybe may have been topped by... The Battle Scarif. Yeah, but that that one is up there for me, for sure. That's one of the best, but Jedi still brings it home with one of the best lightsaber duels. Yes. And, and the ground battle. I mean, I know people have mixed feelings about Ewoks. I love them. and I love an Ewok. I love that, yeah, I know, it's kind of ridiculous, but it's also not that ridiculous that a bunch of teddy bears that can blend in with their environment can take down stormtroopers because stormtroopers mm-hmm. suck and Ewoks are awesome. <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. So it makes sense to me. And as I said, they're more of a distraction than anything. Like They're not actually getting anything done. I think that's the, the strength of that battle and how it's edited and paced and what they put in it because like sometimes – you know, like they'll have the whole like log drop thing where they drop logs and the ATSTs kind of wobble and they fall over and they blow up. Mm-hmm. Like that's really effective. Then other times it's like they are standing on either side of a walkway or whatever, and the ATST comes by and they pull up the rope, yes. and it just slows it down just a little bit, <laughs> and it just drags them right. <laughs> all the Ewoks. Yep. It's like it's meant to show like, look, these guys they're effective sometimes. They're probably not effective a lot of other times and it's just <laughs> them just giving the Empire a run for their money for a little bit while the Rebels figure this out yeah. um, and I think I, this battle doesn't get enough credit for kind of the subtext that's going on there yes it's really hard to choose out of out of all three of them but I think the lightsaber battle for sure but uh, all together it just makes for really good storytelling it is it's great and then you have you know the ending which is 
so powerful. Oh, and yeah. that that scene always chokes me up with with Anakin and Luke having their moment together. Yeah. Um and you know what? I just thought about it. I think that's our quarter of the night, is it not? I think it is, yep. Let's go ahead and play it really quick. Let's, let's, let's go ahead and do that. Um because I'm just ready to cry, all right? <laughs> I'm ready to do it. Hopefully I won't, but maybe we will. But um yeah, let's let's go ahead and without further ado, let's talk about that since we're right on the subject and we'll we'll come back and maybe we'll take a little short break, but uh yeah. Without further ado, here is tonight's quote of the night. Luke, help me take this mask off. But you'll die. Nothing can stop that now. Just for once, let me look on you with my own eyes. to save you. You already have. Oh, you were right. You were right about me. Tell your sister. You were right. Father. I won't leave you. I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> Sorry, I just need to grab a tissue. That man, that scene. Uh, seriously, it it gives me chills every time it's very I good. watch it it's and very hear good. it, and it, it's great. Um, all due respect to the late great Sebastian Shaw, who played Anakin so well, so briefly. Yes, and you know, and that scene, it just it tears me up because like that is the only moment Anakin and Luke get together, the only moment ever. Like they actually get to say as father and son because it's not Vader, it's not talking through a mask, it's just face to face. This one scene, not counting the afterlife. Well, yeah, you're right, and and who knows that may not be the case anymore after Rise of Skywalker. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, but know. who knows what's going to happen there? But, but uh, th- this is also one of my favorite scenes in Star Wars because it's such a. It's such a human moment. It's such a loving moment, and it's it's really satisfying to see one of the greatest villains of all time be redeemed and come back to the light side, where I think Anakin has has always belonged. You know, 
we I think in retrospect we forget how big this is, how revolutionary, how how much this subverted expectations back in the day. Like I think this was really and and this is a defining of like what Star Wars is. Like yeah. we we think of Star Wars now is like oh it's this tale about redemption and love and family and all this kind of stuff. This really good messages. All of that really comes from Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, not to say that it's not present, but A New Hope and Empire are these films that are, they're about, you know, coming of age stories. They're, you know, A New Hope is about Luke doing his thing and wanting to be like his father and growing up and, and being a hero. Right. And Empire is kind of tearing all the characters down and rebellion and, you know, intrigue and darkness and Luke continuing to become what is. Jedi introduces all these new elements uh, about, you know, redemption and, you know, the fact that no matter how dark something seems, no matter how dark someone seems, they can come back from that. Yes. And those are really powerful messages, timeless messages that are very important, especially now in regards to, you know, you have really bad people even those people deserve compassion and redemption. And and that's the ultimate story of Return of the Jedi. And yeah. it encapsulates Star Wars as a whole in regards to understanding that everything that Luke was up against, he had every reason to hate Vader, every reason to just go and kill him, which he almost does. He right. still goes back and saves his father. And it's just so poignant. And it echoes throughout the entire saga. And I never really thought about it until like right now, this the fact that Jet Return of the Jedi, you can't diss this movie because it 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 it's so much of Star Wars is in it. Yes. And it's so just a part of everything and it, it, it makes it makes all the difference. So props to Return of the Jedi for, for being Star Wars, for making Star Wars what it is, because for without it we would be looking at a different saga altogether. For sure. So all right. Well, I think this is a good time to take a little short break. We'll hear a word from one of our sponsors, then we'll come back, uh, say hello to our patrons, we'll talk about our favorite moments and our plan scores, but until then, we'll see you on the other side of another IPC podcast. This is IPC. This is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I have drifted into the underworld. The Star Wars underworld. I have a bad feeling about this. Hey, y'all. This is Ben Hart here. I know y'all just heard me on the IPC talking all things geeky and fun. Now I'm here to tell y'all about my other podcast. It's called The Star Wars Underworld, about all things Star Wars. We talk Star Wars The Clone Wars, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Star Wars Last Jedi, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and so much more. I record it with my friends Chris and Dominic, who are here to tell y'all all about it. Hello, Chris. Hello, Ben. I'm so excited to talk about Star Wars this week. It's fun. It's funny. We're going to have a great time. Hey, guys. I am so nostalgic 
for mall packaging, and I love being on the Star Wars Underworld podcast talking all the latest Star Wars news. Well, now that y'all had a little taste of the show and you know what to expect, you should check out more episodes by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com or by searching for the show on the iTunes, the Apple Podcast, the Google Play, and all sorts of things. And may the Force be with y'all. It's a wrap, eh? Welcome back to the IPC podcast. We're talking Return of the Jedi and its impact on Star Wars and its continued just greatness as a Star Wars film. And uh, we got a few more things to check off before we close down for the night. But while I have your attention, I should point you in the direction of our patrons. Now, for those who don't know, we have a little patron program through Podbean. You can find it patron.podbean.com slash IPC podcast. And we got some awesome people over there, including Mr. Jake Damon here. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Joey Mays. We've got Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, Parker Ott, and Carrie Fleming. They all support us with their hard-earned money. They help keep the lights on and do all kinds of crazy stuff. And who knows what else we might have up our sleeves if we got enough money. And uh, it all goes back to you. It doesn't go into our pockets. It goes back to the podcast, making it better and stronger and more awesome. So, what if Bill Gates started listening to the podcast and he was just like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give these guys like five million dollars. Then uh, we would be doing episodes once a day, or maybe twice a day, because <laughs> I would quit my job. <laughs> I was gonna say, you'd probably quit your job and open up a studio. It will be, uh, yeah, full time podcaster. Yeah, living the dream. That's the dream. Living on Bill Kate's dollar. Um, (laughs) God, wouldn't that be awesome? Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so let's get back to Return of the Jedi really quick, because i got to ask you, Jake, what is your overall favorite moment? Well, you know, I think... I think even though I mentioned that I, I love the lightsaber battle at the end of this, it's it's such a great moment, and it's a very close second. I think my favorite moment has to be pretty much like the first, I don't know, one-sixth or one-fifth of the movie. I love everything at Jabba's Palace. I love the Sarlacc pit. I love the escape. I love the... Uh, uh, Jabba getting killed by Leia. I love everything about it. It's just, it's so cool. I, I always loved Tatooine, and I think this is one of my favorite, you know, things that takes place on Tatooine. Um, I don't know. There's just something about it that I, I've heard people mention that this is like one of their least favorite parts of the of the movie, which is always interesting to me because I think it's it's one of the most fun and most interesting and. Um, I don't know. It's just, it always stuck with me. And I, I put that, like, whenever I think of Return of the Jedi, I always think of that part of the movie first. Yeah. 
I agree. It's yeah, that's such an amazing part, and, and and it's just I don't know. This movie is full of such amazing points, and for me, I think I'm gonna go with the moment when they drop out of hyperspace. Yeah. In front of the Death Star, and just the start of that battle. And them trying to figure out like what's going on and realizing that it's a trap. Yeah. Yep. It's just so great. Yeah. And yeah, that that whole scene, just the, the, how all out absolutely outnumbered they are, is just amazing. Yes. Um, and Lando's great, and and Nine Numb is great, and Millennium Falcon, and it's just it's just this thrilling, thrilling battle that uh, really kicks it off right there. And Akbar's great. May he rest in peace. Love Akbar. And apparently we're going to have his son in Rise of Skywalker, so that should be fun. Yeah. I think I love Radis more. Just going to put that out there, but uh, Ak- I agree. Akbar's great. He is. He is, really is. All right. Well, I think it is time for our final thoughts and our plan scores so we can wrap this show up and this discussion. Um, Jake, I'm going to go ahead and throw it to you. Final thoughts and score out of 10 on Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. Well, um, I think I'm going to give it a, a higher score than most people might give it. I, I've got to give this like a, a 9 because, I don't know, I really struggle between 8.5 and 9. But if I have to choose, it's got to be 9 because it's, it's such a good ending to the trilogy. There's so much in it to love. You get great character moments, great, great uh, that father son scene at the end, um, the the duel at the end. You get three different uh, three different fights, and they all go together so well. And it's so hard to choose which one you love the most. And the the movie opens strong to me, uh, and I don't know. It's just it's it's just as as much of a Star Wars movie as its two predecessors and does such a great job to wrap up that that trilogy. So I I gotta give it a nine. I gotta go high. Uh, very good. Very I like where you're going with this. And I'm gonna agree that this movie has so much to offer, has so many amazing things. And you know what? I'm gonna say this. It's underrated. Even for a Star Wars film, it I is. think it's underrated. Yep. And there's just so many great things that it does right, and you know, overall, it's it's so much great action, the speeder bike chase, the Sarlacc pit, you know, all the great action that it has, and then all the very sweet moments. We 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 got to listen to the Vader and Anakin, the Anakin and Luke scene, but you've also got you know Leia and Luke scene in the in the village, and you know Vader and Luke scene on near the AT-ATs on, on Endor. Like it's just. All around, it's it's, I, it's a it's a beautiful film. I feel like such an idiot because I completely forgot about the speeder bike. <laughs> but yeah, we didn't mention it, but like it it's there. Like this movie is so jam packed. Like yeah. it's it's incredible. I think that's a, that's another one of those scenes that is just so iconic to this. Like it's one of the first things I think of when I think of Return of the Jedi is the speeder bikes. Yeah, yeah. It's really it's it, that that whole thing and the technical element of how they did it. Like, I remember watching Empire of Dreams and going, like, wow. Like, they just, they outdid themselves with that sequence. For sure. But overall, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Wow. Because I think it just, it deserves so much credit for 
defining Star Wars for a generation, for the trilogy, mm-hmm. and setting everything up. And, you know, we would not have the Star Wars saga we have today without Return of the Jedi and giving us so many great things. Flaws and all, it's a brilliant, beautiful film that really has stood the test of time, I think, for a lot of ways. So, yeah. I love it. And it's it's tempting to put it as the lowest score of the three, I think. And even though I don't think it's as good of a film as Empire, I think it, you know, I, I, for, I think I gave Empire a nine too, but um, I, I think it, it's a nine in, in just a little bit of a different way. Like, the it does have weaknesses but so does every movie and and i think the strong points in return of the jedi are just so strong for me that that i put it that high yeah yeah totally totally so yeah both nine out of tens there guys we like this movie surprise surprise hashtag ewoks ewoks forever guys i hope they're in rise of skywalker please give us ewoks i'd love an ewok that would be amazing. All right. Well, I, I think that about wraps it up. Unless you have anything else to say about Return of the Jedi. I don't think so. Just uh, it's been really fun revisiting this trilogy. You know, and I feel like it's one of those things where I could do it every couple of years and always find something new to talk about. It is. It's so amazing. Okay. So on the social medias, in between shows, you can catch us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at IPC Podcast. You can follow us personally at Zach DFW for Zach Arnold on Twitter and Instagram. He's not here tonight, but he's with us in spirit, and we're going to give him a plug regardless. You can follow myself at Ben Hart with no E on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And Jake, tell the people what you've got going on with your other podcasts and tell them where they can find you online. Yes. Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, well, yeah, find me on Twitter at Jake Damon, D-A-M-O-N, on Instagram at Jake W. Damon. And then my brother and I are doing a podcast uh, called Ben 10 Again, where we go through every episode of the 2005 Cartoon Network show, Ben 10. And we are recording a new episode on Sunday. And, man, it just seems like we've been having so many problems with uh, Anchor and and all this stuff. I keep having to change the cover art, so I'm, I'm working on another thing right now. But we'll get we'll get it up. Uh, got some awesome theme music and... And this is just uh, this is just a a thought I'm having right now. I've, it's kind of been in the pipeline for a little bit, but I thought it would be really cool to do like a little recap podcast of every episode of uh, The Mandalorian when it comes out. So I'm thinking about doing something like that. Ooh. But uh, but yeah, if I decide to go forward with that, you guys will be the first to know. That sounds amazing. I definitely will be interested in that. Both. For listening purposes, and maybe even being on it, maybe. Dude, maybe I would like to be on it. Absolutely. Uh, I'm just going to invite myself on the first, I, first right. time I hear it, of course. If it happens, I was going to ask you anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, sure you will. Sure you were. <laughs> um, as far as listening goes, you can find us on iTunes and Google Play, and of course, StarWarsUnderworld.com, and also our host site, ipcpodcast.podbean.com, where you can find every single episode you can support us on there as a patron lots of awesome stuff you can support us via our t public store tpublic.com slash user slash ipc podcast 
is where you can find our merch, t-shirts, everything you can possibly think of is over there. A lot of good stuff. Support IPC. Support the brand. Show it off. Always a lot of fun. And Can I make a suggestion? Yeah, sure. I, sorry to ru- ruin your flow there. I think uh, the store could use some... Some bobbleheads of all three of us. How cool is that? I completely agree with that. And they need to make that happen. Are you glad I interrupted you just to say that? (laughs) I am absolutely okay with that. Absolutely. Oh, jeez. Well, I think we about wrap this up. Unfortunately, we're not going to have time for Barbecue Watch tonight. But we'll we'll try. Maybe we'll double up next week. We'll do something interesting with that. Um, But I think... Without further ado, I think we about conquered this one. Unless, Jake, you have anything else to add on all everything we talked about tonight? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's Like I said before, it's been really fun, and um, I, I hope we get a chance to do it again in the, in the, the future at some point. Maybe, maybe five years, maybe ten years, <laughs> maybe twenty, maybe a hundred years. Who knows? But let's do it again. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I'm always game to talk about this movie or any Star Wars movie, so yeah. That's a pretty much a given. It'll come back around sooner or later. But until then, I think that about wraps it up for this episode of the IPC Podcast. This is number 261. Episode number 261 is now officially in the books for myself, Ben. That's, that's my name. And for Jake and Zach, wherever he is, thank you guys so much for listening. But before we leave you, we're just going to leave you with this closing thought. Never give up hope, no matter how dark things seem. We hope you can once again join us on another episode of the IPC Podcast. But until then, good night, everyone.
All right. Well, I think we can leave it here for a moment. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk about our favorite moments, our plant scores, and we will uh, have a lot more to talk about. And uh, okay. <laughs> Come from. I don't know if it was amazing. I don't feel like I should net that out. Um, oh, God. Let me do oh, that over again really man. quick.